and welcome to this week's Breaking Down the Wall podcast with myself, James Keane. This week we have one of my good friends, Mark Farrell, with us. Mark, welcome to the show. Tell the listeners a little bit about you, your hobbies and your job then. My job, I'm a, a sports, well I want to say a sports scientist and strength conditioning coach. But I work with, I want to say now that I do a little bit more consultancy work and consultancy based stuff. Um, I work with a number of football teams um, in League 1. Um, League 2 also consult with um, other sports such as athletics, badminton, um, gymnastics, swimming. Um, I also do a little bit of research as well in, in sport. Um, I'm currently at uni as well and research uh, sport and injuries in terms of the ecological side of it or economical side of, of, of sport as well and um, how injuries impact um, young people and organisations. Um, so that's like the boring stuff um, from my job and, and, and looking at, at research. But I'm a bit like you, you're, you know me as well as one of your mates, so it's a wee bit difficult to try and explain myself. But for the listeners as well, I'm just a typical guy that enjoys going to the gym as well and um, enjoys socialising with all you guys as well and going to the cinema and just kind of stuff like that. It's nothing really exciting that I want to really, really, really say too much about myself. Um, I'm, I'm pretty reserved, as you, you you will you will know, and it takes me a bit of time to maybe explain myself and maybe explain what what I do. So you're just a, a standard normal guy. I would like to think so, yeah. Um, and when maybe if you get to know me a little bit deeper, you might think I'm a wee bit more interesting. Obviously, the last year, right? It was, it was I think it was um, today uh, or yesterday. Was a, I heard on the radio was the first uh, anniversary of the first person to be diagnosed with COVID in Scotland uh, and then obviously last towards the end of last March we went into the first lockdown so what have you found difficult within the last sort of year with obviously all the lockdowns and we're out of lockdowns and we're back in it and stuff like that well first of all obviously going back to, to last year as well as when the coronavirus kind of hit Britain off, um, obviously you know it's my, my birthday in a couple of weeks time as well and I, I think I was maybe a couple of days just before we went into lockdown or maybe five or seven days before it. So it was very, very, to start off, it was, it was a shock. Although it was maybe, we kind of had hints that it was going to be coming, like the lockdowns may, may happen because they'd happened in other countries and then it just happened like that over, I think it was overnight. And we had a wee bit of warning. And then we were obviously originally told it was going to last maybe three or four weeks. And then three or four weeks turned into three or four months, and then three or four months has turned into almost a year. So the things I've found difficult is seeing that a lot of my friends, um, having an interaction with, with human beings, as a lot of other people have found difficult. I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to work during the lockdown and within football, and I've had good interaction with different types of players, different types of managers and, and be going to football games and stuff like that. So that's kind of kept my, what you want to call it, mental health or motivation going forward. Um, however, there has been times when, like just now, everything stopped. Um, I am basically not really doing much apart from research and doing a lot of uni work. So that aspect has been very, very tough. But the other things that I think has been difficult is just the uncertainty. And I think it's uncertainty of, are we actually going to get out of lockdown? 
we were told originally told that this would only be for a few weeks. It's it's been on for a lot lot longer. We're told that we'll soon be out of lockdown again, potentially April May. But again, the uncertainty is is that actually going to happen? The uncertainty of when we do get out of lockdown, what's society going to look like? What's your everyday going to look like? Are we going to go back to what used to be normal, or is we going to have so many restrictions? If it's going shopping, if it's going to the cinema, if it is going out to the pub with your mates, if it is going to a restaurant, so that kind of stuff is a lot of uncertainty. And that it doesn't worry me. It maybe it, well, it does worry me to a certain extent. But the other thing is, it was, we were briefly talking before we came on here was like obviously the housing market, trying to buy buy your own property, trying to move into some houses. That is another thing aspect that I think is. A bit worrying or a bit uncertainty is obviously we were talking about it before. Is this is like the second crash or recession that we've faced in our adult life as such? I think the first one was 2006 or 2008, and again, the housing market kind of crashed like that. So, are we going to have another one of them? And that kind of uncertainty of do I buy a property, do I start moving into a house, then maybe a year's down the line, you lose your job or the house market crashes again and you have to pack up and, and find um, private accommodation. That's that's a lot of issues just now that I'm contemplating on a daily basis, as you, you do know as well as during the lockdown. You, because you're not busy, I think you tend to overthink things as well in terms of what's going to happen with the things I've just spoke about. So, obviously, you're, you're mentioning there quite a lot of uncertainty eh, in the future and things like that. And you, you said you're like every day, you're kind of a contemplating these things what are you doing to, to help with that then mentally well I think I don't want to say lockdown has been all negative I think there has been some good things that have, have came out of lockdown in terms of being able to talk to your friends more or, or have your friends maybe more accessible in terms of zoom chats um, although we have a, a weekly Saturday sessions where we, we all get together it, it might be quizzes or, or race nights or whatever it is so I think that's been a good thing that's been came out of lockdown, you don't always have to go to the pub, you don't always have to meet outside, you don't always have to go to someone's house, you can you can do it virtually. So I think that's been a good thing, that's kept me going um, through lockdown, that's kind of took my mind off a lot of these kind of things. But as well as within my job, I've been fortunate enough to, I've, I've had to move to consultancy work just because of lockdown and, and previous um, scenarios, but that's allowed me to build up a, a network um, or increase my network um, of people that I can work with and through lockdown I've actually been able to work with some international squads some international teams through different sports not just football I've done a lot of work for some cricket teams I've done some work with um, rugby teams as well and I've also managed to build up links with different types of practitioners and different types of people that I've worked in, like for the LA Lakers and the NBA. Some of the guys I know now I'm in close contact with or close communication with have worked in the NFL. So that aspect of lockdown has been good for a professional development aspect as such, where because Zoom, social media, etc., more and more people are using it, so more and more people are accessible. accessible. So I think they kind of things have kept my mind off a lot of stuff or kept me busy and my mind occupied. But also there's other things that I've been doing personally in terms of getting on with my research, um, getting on with my, my uni. That's kept me busy. That's kept me on a focus. Other things as well as there's been a lot of 
online internships that you can use or you can join that are free or you can pay for. Um, I've been doing a lot of them, which has kind of kept myself busy and kept my, kept my mind busy as such and kept me basically going um, through a lockdown. I think the first lockdown, people embraced it a bit more. It was, it was during the summer, people were going outside a little bit more, they were doing the gardens. I think there was more that let's just get through this and that's that kind of thing. But now that we're maybe on, what is it, lockdown um, 3.0 or, or 4.0, it's a little bit more difficult. Some of the restrictions are maybe not there is what the first lockdown was and you see people going out to work and because you're not working it, it, it can affect you as well and you can say well I want to just get out and do my job basically because you want to speak to people and you want to get outside and, and you can't really do that and then when you see other people be, being able to do it although they might be key workers etc you don't you feel a bit why can't that be me why, why why do I have to suffer when other people are out working right okay so Probably like I'll be honest, right? So I'm a bit skeptical about asking you this, right? But I feel as though for for the listeners out there, this might be people relate to it. So as you said there, on right, so we are best mates, okay? And I've known you for best part of twelve or thirteen years now, and you've never ever spoken to us as your mates about the relationship your dad, right? So obviously we know that your dad's not in your life and stuff like that, right? There's there's been banter between us all, okay? So. What is the history with your relationship with your dad and how have you coped mentally not having that person in your life? Like, like you touched on it there is I've known you for I've known each other for a very, very long time and it's not something that I do speak about um, or something I've spoke about before within our group. And I think that it comes down is one, I didn't really, because my dad left when I was so, 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 so young, I didn't really know him. Um, and because he lived in another country as well, he was kind of really never, never there. I know some people who their parents go through divorces and they, they might live in the same town or they, they might live in the same city and they have shared custody, uh, custody um, between um, mum and dad and the kid gets to see both. Um, for me, I didn't really have that. And it was down for a, a couple of reasons. One, obviously my dad stayed in a different country, so logistically moving or flying or travelling from country to country would probably be difficult. But also, I was kind of protected from that when my mum and my dad broke up. I think my mum took um, a lot of to do with that in terms of wanting to protect, protect me and my brother, which I think, looking back on it, was probably the right decision. I, I don't think she wanted to bring someone up in a, an environment where every couple of weekends or every um, every weekend that she would have to drive halfway through a border and then drop us off at a, a petrol station or a service station and then be picked up with somebody else as well. But I also think that, maybe looking at my mum's aspect as well, is that I think she wanted to bring us up in a certain way and have, yes, you, you can be influenced by different figures in your family, but I think at that time when my dad left, she wasn't, my mum didn't want us to be influenced by another parental figure that wasn't biological, if that makes sense, of it, like another mother figure, and that would have been my, my, my dad's partner at the time. So I don't think she was wanting to our two boys to be influenced by that aspect either. And because we were, I was kind of, I was young, but I, st- I understood what was going on, but I didn't fully understand it. I was just maybe aware of it. Um, so I, I don't think, 
I truly understood the situation at the time. For me, it was it was normal because I was so young. But things that I used to question, question all the time was things like for playing football or going to football. It was never my dad that took me to a football game or took me to training or asked me how football went. Um, I didn't have that conversation with a male figure. It was always with my mum. So it was never alien to me. It was it was always the norm, but there was a an aspect there that maybe deep down I used to question where or maybe be a bit selfish or question why why other boys have their dads there and why am I the only one that doesn't have a dad as such to, to, to speak to football about them or to, to even be introduced to different aspects um, of being being life um, or being a male in life. Um, I think one turns up is obviously puberty and sex. I never really got to speak to that about obviously with my dad, like my conversations with, with sex and puberty was with my mates. That was that was probably challenging, more challenging growing up and um, going through my teens than maybe when I was a lot, lot, lot younger, just simply because I had more of a, an awareness of, of the situation and, and what was going on. Um, but funny enough, I don't think I've actually said this to any use, but was it this time last year or maybe around about January time last year, my dad's dad died, obviously. Me as a family had to go down to the funeral and my dad was actually there and it was the first time I actually seen him in about the best part of, what, 25 years, maybe maybe a little bit more than that. And it was like a weird situation to see someone that you've never seen before in 25 years when it's been at a funeral. So that was, I don't want to say emotional, it was it was a strange feeling, even trying to speak to the person. There wasn't much there wasn't much conversation there. It was just like, how you doing? What have you been doing? And a kind of thing that was going through my mind was, how do you explain the best part of 25 years to someone that you've never really seen before that's, that's supposed to have been in your life and they're not? So that was a bit a bit alien or a bit strange in terms of reflection and what I've done for the, the past 25 years and how do you explain it to that person? But I was also a little bit taken back in terms of, well, you didn't really want to, you weren't really there for the best part of 25 years, so why should I give you the time and explain what I've been doing and my successes or, or my failures throughout my life. And I see when you were growing up, well, obviously you mentioned there about, I mean, let's be honest, when you, when, when people grow up, usually the, the hardest or the the most sort of up and down years is usually your late teens um, into your early 20s when you're starting to kind of a, discover yourself as a young adult and, and find your way in the world. And you, usually when you leave school, you think school's this amazing thing and you can't wait to leave school and then you go into work and you're like, fuck that, I want to go back to school sort of thing. So growing up around the sort of ages of between 18 and 22, how, how did you cope? Because by that time, obviously, you're starting to go out, you're starting to see other people and, and have relationships and stuff like that. I mean, how did you cope mentally not having, as you said, your dad there to ask questions about any sort of partners or or watch the football, or, or whatever else, even go to the pub with your dad for your first pint, or even starting to shave for the first time, like, how did you how did you actually deal with that mentally, just you personally? Um, it's, it's a good question, and it's, 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 quite, it's quite difficult to answer, because I've never really thought about it, in terms of through that age. I'm always someone that just kind of goes, I'll just get on with it. Whatever happens, it happens, and... You just have to kind of almost like deal with it there and then and, and see how it goes. And, and I've never really kind of reflected on it as such. And it was, again, 
it's maybe something because he was maybe never there in my full life. I didn't really think, oh, I'm missing this person at this this particular time in, in my life. I think one thing that definitely helped me through that time, 18 to maybe 22 or 18 to 25, you were to talk about that, is I did have a good group of a good group of friends at that time. I was fortunate enough, I was at university um, and my mum was a very, very good support mechanism there. She was anything I needed to speak to her about. She was she was there to speak to, uh, there to, to be spoken to in terms of university and support on that. But things like shaving, like you say, going, for, going out for your first pint and, and, and relationships, and that, I think it was a lot of it was self-discovery and doing st- stuff myself. Um, and I think I was very, very independent although you might not believe that but I think at a young age I was very very independent I could make my own decisions even when I was very 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 young my mum treated me like an adult and that allowed me to make critical decisions in my life and what I wanted to do with it but the other thing as well is that the way my mum treated me when I was that age is she wasn't what they want to say she wasn't strict she did let me go out she did let me experiment with different things um, going out to nightclubs going to pubs she wasn't as strict with that because she trusted me and she knew I was streetwise and she knew that I was responsible at such a young age. So, so that was, I think that freedom allowed me to maybe explore the world a little bit more. I went holidays, I was allowed to travel as well. And I think in the back of my mind, because my mum trusted me as much, that that gave me a little bit more freedom. I don't think really at that particular time I missed anyone. And I think it's when I look back at it, and it's maybe down to the fact that they were never there, if that makes sense. It, it might be a bit different, say, for example, if someone's maybe been, um, their mum and dad split up and they, they go and see their dad every couple of weeks or then maybe go back and forward into houses and et cetera, stuff like that. And then if you maybe take that person away from them, maybe when they're 18, it might have a, a more impact or a bigger impact. But because that figure was never really there, it's hard to maybe articulate how it's affected me or did I miss that person in my life and that's maybe something that if I look further back or if I had to jump in a time machine and maybe have someone there when a male figure when I was at that age then I could say yeah I did miss a male figure at that time or I didn't miss a male figure it's something that I've never been able to experience so I can't really say yeah I did, did miss or it, or, it, or it did or it didn't affect me it probably has affected me and I'm probably just not as aware of it. And I maybe not find that answer until I have kids, or if I do have kids, and then when they go through that, that age bracket, then that's maybe something that I can reflect on and say, do you know what, that's maybe something that, that I missed, or that was maybe a support mechanism that I didn't have at that particular time in my life. Right, because that, that's what I was going to ask you, because like, one thing I do is, like, I look back, and, and I, I, same as yourself, right, so... I think I had a, a really good upbringing and love my mum and dad to pieces and, and all that sort of stuff, right? But I know my mum and dad made mistakes and that's something that I try to do is not replicate their mistakes when I bring up my wee boy. Is that something you look at as well when you when you think back in terms of uh, I, I'm going to do this for, for, for my kids and I'm going to be there for them when, when they need this and, and all that sort of stuff? Do you look at that from that point of view? Yeah, to be fair, I, I probably do, like, even when I think about um, having kids or the conversation comes up about having kids and obviously I see all of you guys, um, my mates, and you've obviously got Harris and our other mates have got kids as well. And I see how they are with them 
and how much love they show to their kid. That's something that when I, I look at, and it's something that in the future I, I do want, but it's something that when I think about what I... I don't want to say I had a hard upbringing. I, I definitely didn't. I had a very, very good upbringing, but when I think back and maybe I didn't have a dad there or, or to take me to football and, or maybe go down to the pub, that's something that I want to say, well, that's something that I want to do with my kids in the future. And then again, like like I'd said before, then once maybe I do that, it's maybe something that I can turn around and say, you know what, I actually really, really did miss that in my life. But because I didn't really have that there or I've not missed it, I don't know if I did or not. Um, and you go back and what you said there, if you never know what's going to happen down the line and if you have the same experience or something happens and you do have kids and you split up with your partner and that's something maybe that, that's in the back of my mind as well and do I want to bring a child up in a home where they don't see their father or their mother? It's potentially something that I don't want to do. So I think from that happening to me, it's something that I, I potentially don't want to happen in the future. Um, I think it's great that parents or divorced parents or separated parents can can share share their child and bring their child up together. I think that's I think that's excellent that parents can do that, and I think they, sh- they should be congratulated for doing that because it's I know it can be difficult as well, broken relationships and, and having to almost put on a face with someone just for the sake sake of your of your of your child. And people do do that remarkably well, but that's something personally me that. I don't want to have to do and I don't want to have to bring my child up with a parent that's not there. So that's maybe something that, that, that when you think, when you talk about it or when you bring it up, it's maybe something that, that pops into my head anyway. Okay, so moving on then, all right. Um, as, as you've touched on, you're in sort of the sports industry and, and I think we're all aware of in the sports industry, especially football, there is a lot of job movements, shall we call it, so hiring and firing. Obviously, I know you've had some some major highs in your career, and and also some major lows as well. How did you deal with the lows of your career? Well, um, as I already say, some of the highs. So to get a, a bit of perspective, some of the highs are you're working in an industry that that you absolutely love. You're doing something that it doesn't feel like a job. Um, it's more of a hobby. You get to go to football every day or you get to go to sport every day. And to be honest, when you work in it, you wake up and it doesn't seem like a job. But the lows of being relegated or being sacked, as, as a lot of people put it, it, it does affect you. It affects you. And I, I feared that I heard that a lot of people in football say this as well. The highs are absolutely brilliant. You're, you're up there. But when you hit a low, it's you're right, right down at the bottom. And it very, very rarely is there an in-between. It's rather highs or lows, and even the lows can be something like because you do you are in a, a competitive environment, and result results do dictate jobs. If you lose a day, if you lose a game or a match or, or a competition or whatever it is, you are you can be very very low. It can sink you, and that's just the nature of the business. And the other thing is the thing that is difficult though to to deal with is that your your job or my job or or MD works in the industries. For the large part, you are being hired and fired based on someone else's opinion. And that person's opinion can't even define what it is you do on a day-to-day basis. So if I had to say to someone out within sports science or strength conditioning, can you define what I do on a day-to-day basis? They probably can't give you an answer. But they're measuring your performance or your ability to carry out a job. Your, your survival in that work environment is dependent on how much that person likes you just by being 
if they like you personally, when that is simply put down to a yes or no answer. If someone likes you, nine times out of ten you keep the job. If someone doesn't like you, nine times out of ten you're sad. Irrelevant if you do your job well or not. See, in terms of when you obviously you mentioned the highs here, right? And you know what? There is no ultimate high that you'll you'll ever get other than winning a cup or even win a game of, of football or any other sort of sporting match, right? But see when you're at ER, as you mentioned, right, and, and you're getting beat, even a game of football, you're, you're beat, and it, you've heard football players saying that it can ruin their full weekends and stuff like that, right? So when when we speak about in terms of if, when you have been fired, right, how did you cope with being fired? Because you, you seem to be like one of these people that... Um, try to keep yourself busy and when you keep yourself busy your, your, your mind is occupied so when you have been fired and your mind's not occupied what have you done when you look back what was the one thing you'd done that got you through that period of your time of your life well um, it's happened to me a few times I think the first time it happened it was a I want to say I don't want to say it was a shock I knew it was coming um, just simply because the dynamics at the football club I kind of I didn't take it personally because it was a organisational decision so to deal with that I dealt with it. personally I thought I dealt with it well I I didn't let it affect my my mental health at all I, eventually within being fired I, I got a new job within an hour anyway so I think that was something that that didn't really affect me as much. The The most recent time with being fired, or if you want to call it that, or, or being sacked in, in, in the football industry, that was probably the most difficult aspect of in my, my professional career. And it was simply... And the reason I think it was difficult or it, it hurt me the hardest is because it was a shock. I got wind of that was going to happen on the Sunday and I got fired on the Monday. However, that process took a very, very, very long time. The club at the time put me on garden leave. And when you're on garden leave, you are still bound by contractual law to that club and they can ask you to do various jobs. Um, or they, they can just basically say, you can, you can sit in the house, you don't have to come to work. At that time, my garden leave was about three, four months. The club at the time, I don't want to say they were messing me about, but at times I was sitting in the house doing nothing and then they were sending me halfway over around the country to watch football games. So that was men- mentally challenging for me because I couldn't really plan my day. I couldn't really do anything because I had to sit about the house and wait for the club or the organisations to say, we want you to go and do a job or they can phone me at any time to say, we want you to go and do a job. And it can be any type of job. They were sending me to go and watch football in, in Annan. They were sending me to football to go and watch in Glasgow. They were even asking me to go and work with the youths at seven o'clock at night and then you had maybe planned stuff at, at that time to go and see your girlfriend or, or go out for a meal and you had to drop everything there or then to then go and work with the organisation. Because the thing about uh, garden leave as well is if you if you don't fully comply, they can take you off it as breach of contract and then they don't pay you. During that time, it was very, very challenging and a lot of it was uncertainty and I think a lot of it was boredom. Like you say, that I do like to, to stay busy. I do like to do things and, and because maybe your destiny or you're maybe being controlled by external factors, but the external factors are having a, an impact on you, your life, but it's also having an impact in terms of internally what you think about yourself. Um, and during that time as well, as I questioned myself. I, I questioned myself, was I the right person for the job? Why have I been sacked? 
I actually asked the question multiple times as well as why, why, why have you been let go? And the answer I got was the person wants to bring their own team in. Then through by knowing people within the, the football industry, I found out that that wasn't the case. It was more of a personal issue. The person, the manager at the time, didn't like me because it was something that happened in another football game. They didn't like me at all as a person. That's why they sacked me. The organisation didn't want to say that. So that was that was very, very difficult because it questioned me as a person. It questioned what people perceive me as being in terms of a professional. So that was a difficult, difficult aspect. And it, and it did affect, affect me mentally, but it also affected me as, am I equipped? Am I good enough at my job? And am I a failure? And I think reflecting back on it, all the answers are, no, I'm not a failure. And yes, I am good at my job. But the thing about that as well is, which I find very, very disturbing working in a, in a football industry is, I think the football industry clubs and organisations want to present globally that they support mental health and they want to say that they support players and they support staff members through mental health if you want to call it mental health at the time when I was sacked no one from any organisation has ever contacted me to say do you need additional support do you need mental support do you want to go and speak to someone there's support mechanisms within the organisation that you can go and speak to I have yet to experience any support in terms of being an employee of of a club now they're very very good at presenting we support mental health and there's mental health there, but in my experience, that support has never, ever been there. Going back to when I was working at a club and I was on gardening leave, I never received any phone calls, any emails or anything from any club member or any support staff to see if I wanted to go and speak to someone or to see if my mental health was. Mind you, that they've just sacked you in three months' time. You don't have any money. You don't have any job. Going through that, it's very, very difficult um, and it's very, very tough mentally because three months time you don't know what you're going to be doing you don't know if you're going to where your money's going to be coming from you, you don't know if you're going to be able to pay for rent you don't know if you're going to be able to pay for for food you don't know if you're going to pay, be able to pay um, to keep your family alive or keep your family fed so that's something that i find disturbing and but it's something that I, it doesn't agree with me and the reason i come to that conclusion is because during that period of three four months i actually sent an email to the certain i don't know if i I've actually ever told you this, but I actually sent an email into the organisation and, and explained to them that gardening leave puts so much restrictions on you in terms of being able to develop as a person, but also to look for more work. And it was affecting my mental health. And I actually sent that email in, a, in the morning and I got a, a response back within 45 minutes from the, the organisation to say, we're going to speak at this at, at board level. Um, and then within, again, 15 minutes, they said to me, yeah, we, we're, we're happy to take you off gardening leave and we're happy just to pay you all your, your money up front, which was excellent in terms of getting took off gardening leave and still receiving the money that, that, that you're owed. But the thing that was most worrying about that is I actually put the email, this is affecting my mental health. This is stopping me progress my career and it's affecting me as a person. And nobody actually addressed that. It was almost like this person's going to cause us a problem because they've said they've got or they've got a mental health issue or, or they're going through some mental mental problems and it was almost like we need to get rid of this person straight away because they're going to cause a problem so that's something that i find alarming within the, the football industry or within the industry that i work in and it's something that i find alarming that i had to go through and probably 95 percent of practitioners out there or 95 percent of people that are in the same situation managers if you speak to them 
will probably say the same thing. It's hard to speak about any other industry, right? But I generally do think, and that's the whole point of this podcast. It's like we are, we are trying to break down the wall or or break that stigma associated with mental health. And I think I've said it before. We are we have came so far in the last ten fifteen years, but we we are absolutely nowhere near um, where we need to be because see when you've still got people and especially sort of young males, right? Because it's the it's a young male population that 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 have the highest sort of suicide rate within Scotland, and it's it's, it's alarming that people cannot talk about their their health, their mental health. So everybody can see that um somebody has a physical impairment, but not everybody can see the mental impairment. And and one thing that it's something I learned actually probably about five or six years ago, right? And see when you see people in parking disabled spaces and they get out and they have physically nothing wrong with them you always see people looking at them as if to say lazy bastards parking right next to the, the shop and do you know what sometimes that might be right but you don't know if there's anything mentally wrong with that person that they that maybe they've got anxiety and, and they, they don't like to walk through a, a, sort of a really busy car park so that's why they need to park close to the to the shops they've maybe had a be knocked down for example or had a really bad accident and, and again, as I say that's the reason why they need to park next to shops so that people and, and it's a I think it's programmed into us as humans is, is to be judgmental same way you can you're, you're, you're consciously biased uh, against people and, and for people and all that sort of stuff so I think there's a, there's a, a lot of a, a lot to do and to break down that, that mental health wall um, around not only the sport industry but certainly within other industries as well but as I said it is getting better and hopefully people listening to podcasts like this they, they feel the confidence to, to open up because that, that's one thing I would say about, about, about you mate is like certainly listening to your story especially about your dad and the highs and lows and stuff like that you've come through a lot probably a lot more than uh, most people and you've remained mentally strong throughout that and I'm pretty sure you've done. There's, there's when you do reflect on it. There's one or two wee things that you continually do, like keeping yourself busy. That's a, that's your coping mechanism, and hopefully people can take that away from from listening to this. I think that's important as well as like, like you said there is opening up and, and do speak to people. But I think what's what's important as well is that obviously there is mechanisms out there and there's support systems out there for people that if you want to even speak to someone. But I think it's having awareness of what systems are out there and where you can go and access them. I'm obviously fortunate enough that I've got a great group of friends, and if I, if I really, really did have to speak to someone, I could I could speak to that person. But sometimes people might not have that, that support mechanism, and I think it's the awareness, like you were saying there, is being able to know where you can go and speak to someone, a relative, if it's a friend, if it's the doctor, there's, there's telephone numbers out there and stuff like that that, that you can access as well. So that's something I think that, yes, there's help out there, but I think it's the awareness of help. And the and people people's awareness of the help, the accessibility of the help. I think that's for me the next challenge. Because I'm, I'll be honest, that when I look back on it, when when you talk about it at that time, when I sent that email, and then the response I got back was, "Yeah, we'll take you off garden leave," and there was no response in terms of, "Yeah, we can give you some some additional support." That was something that I was like a wow moment. I was like, "Wow, I can't, I can't." I generally, I was I was actually shocked, but I was like, "I can't believe this has actually happened." And then it was almost like do your own research and go and speak to someone. And that for me was is probably the biggest thing that I can take away 
just talking about it now is like, where can you go and get help? Right, me man. Now's a fun part. Sorry. Quick fire, this or that. Ten questions. Okay. Try not to think about it too much. The last one, I'll, I'll give you a bit of time to think about, right? Because I know how much um, you like this topic. All right. right. So, first question, you ready? Nina or Jennifer Aniston? <laughs> Nina. <laughs> Try not to think too hard about that, you man, eh? Marvel or DC? Marvel. Indian takeaway or Chinese takeaway? Indian. Apples or bananas? Oh, apples. Question five. Live in Salisbury or do 25 years in jail? Live in Salisbury. There's <laughs> 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 jail up here. <laughs> Tonics tea cake or Tonics caramel waver? Oh, caramel waver. Can't, can't beat one. So, just for the listeners, um, sort of info on this, you work for two of your best mates, so work for Stevie or work for Willie? Oh, well, I'd probably say work for... If I could, I, I wouldn't work for any of the two of them, but <laughs> I'm going to say uh, work for Willie. NFL or NBA? Or oh, NFL. McDonald's or Burger King? Or oh, Burger King. New one at Coke Bridges. Brilliant. And the last one, right? Favourite film of all time? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, my favourite film of all time I'm going to say a film called True Romance Right, what's that it's, about? It is I want to say it is a modern day Romeo, Romeo and Juliet movie but it's got lots of sex lot of violence, lot of guns and lot of drugs um, and it is a split between a romance story and a gangster movie it was very very good Sounds good Sounds good. Hey man, that is us finished. That lets me finish asking you questions, buddy. So thanks very much for that. I really do appreciate it. Okay, uh, and thanks for coming on the show. No problems at all.